Well, just uh, while the offering bags are going around, just to kind of bring you up to speed, if you haven't been here for a week or two, we've been uh, looking at God's heart for our world, and uh, we talk, had a sermon series the last three weeks called uh, Many Disciples, One Mission, and the first Sunday we talked about God being a missionary God, and then the second Sunday about um, God's call on our lives to be on mission locally, and then last Sunday talked about God's call on all of our lives, not just people who have a mission passion, but for all of us to be on mission uh, globally as well. And that's been kind of the run-up to uh, today's mission conference, uh, to Congo with Love. And I want to uh, highlight, we have one of our missionaries uh, is home today. Where'd you get to, Laura? Laura Blank, would you stand? There she is. Laura Blank, back there from the Dominican Republic. Uh, glad to have her here. Would you welcome her home? And I think there might be another one um, in Sunday school right now. Be here a second service. So uh, we're looking forward to uh, what today's going to be all about. Um, we have a special meal tonight, a Congolese meal uh, that we're preparing. And a bunch of you have signed up for that. It's at 5.30. And don't forget to come back for that. If you didn't sign up for that and you'd really, really like to come, you can come. It'll cost you 20 bucks, but you can come. No, I'm just kidding. You can come. Uh, talk to the cook on Friday and say, look, I, I have some extra prepared, so uh, tell people to come so you can come. We won't invite the second service, just you guys. And then our speaker will be back uh, this evening. So about two years ago, um, I sat with a gentleman in my office by the name of Greg Norwine, and Greg had a, a vision years ago to develop a child sponsorship program within the Evangelical Free Church, uh, which is our denomination. Greg was a pastor out uh, actually near where I went to seminary, out in the Chicago area. And uh, we talked about uh, getting in a partnership with their ministry. And uh, so one thing led to another. And about a year and a half ago, we, we talked about having Rachel Ballia come today. And the reason we did that is because Rachel has been a missionary in the Democratic Republic of Congo for 36 years with the Evangelical Free Church, and uh, is married to a Congolese man. And I said, you know, it's been interesting how God has been connecting us with people from the Congo uh, last six years or so uh, with the refugee ministry. Uh, Rachel uh, Bunketti came here uh, about six years ago, uh, been a refugee uh, in Nigeria for about five years, had no idea whether her husband and children were alive uh, or dead, and in God's grace, uh, found her husband, discovered all her children were alive. Uh, husband came about a year and a half uh, later, and then uh, her daughter uh, and her son, still one son waiting in Congo. And then last year again, another refugee family we sponsored uh, from the Congo, Salima and her family. Uh, they do not come here Sunday mornings because they go to a Congolese service at Westminster Presbyterian um, Sunday mornings, but they're going to be here tonight for the meal um, and then as well during the evening service, and so an opportunity for you to meet them then. But Greg and I were talking about the areas where their ministry works, Glo Global Fingerprints is the name of it, and uh, one of the key areas has been uh, Congo, and uh, hopefully uh, Rachel will tell us a little bit about the uh, how long the Free Church has been working in, in the Congo. It's really interesting. So I said, it'd be great to connect with the Congo uh, in a greater way than, than simply ministering to refugees when they come here. How could we get involved with ministry there as well? 
So, Rachel, you want to come up here? I want to introduce you, and then we'll uh, give you the, the floor. I do want to also promote uh, something, a resource that we pointed you to last week. There are still some out in the, uh, at the Information Center. It's a 31-day uh, prayer guide for the 31 largest frontier people groups, the uh, people groups, largest people groups of the world that are yet unreached. And so this will give you a, a way to kind of pray through uh, those folks. It's yours to keep. Great tool for you to have uh, family worship with as well. Rachel, let me pray for you, and then we'll turn it over to you. Father, thank you for uh, giving Rachel safe travels here uh, Friday. I'm grateful that she can be here and tell us about what the what's going on in the Congo, your work there, as well as some of the challenges, and how we can be involved in what you're doing there in this part of the world. Uh, we're so grateful for your uh, interest in people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people group. Thanks for your uh, love for us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, and thank you so much again, Pastor Keith, for this opportunity to be here in Keystone. And uh, when I go to church in Congo, I have a few things, my Bible and a fan, but I don't need that this morning. I didn't know it'd be so comfortable here. And then we have what's called Zeke Zekes. And you make a lot of noise when you go. So I got those, but I haven't used it. I didn't use it with the worship this morning, but I sure enjoyed those worship songs. And oh, wow, thinking about Jesus coming again. Come, Lord Jesus. And then remembering that he's our promise keeper. Uh, as we were singing, I thought of the verse in Philippians 1, um, 6 that says, I know that God who started that good work in you will bring it to completion. Um, not today, but on that day when Jesus comes again. And so as we begin um, this time together this morning, I want to encourage you as a church body. I know that God has begun a good work. It's God working in you, and it's a good work that he's doing. But wow, there's a lot left to do. And it's not completed, and it's not going to be completed until the day Jesus comes. Uh, I love being a part of the body of Christ, the church. Isn't it wonderful to be a part of God's family and a part of his body? And uh, as we work and serve, we're not alone, but we're joining hands with those who love him here in the States and around the world. And um, I just came from Congo just on Friday. It was a long trip here. And I have enjoyed the last two days driving around Pennsylvania you might forget how beautiful it is here, and you might forget how beautiful spring is. I have not experienced spring for six years. So um, in Congo, we have dry season and rainy season, and I haven't been home during the springtime, and this has been a real pleasure coming here and enjoying Pennsylvania and the beauty all around us. So thank you for letting me come and share this morning. Um, my home really is Congo. I love Congo. Congo is found in the heart of Africa. Um, uh, uh, uh oh, I was told not to. What did I do? Did I do something bad here? Let's try that. Okay, right in the heart of Africa, the Democratic Republic of Congo. Kinshasa is the capital, and it's um, quite a bit south of us. You can see where it says Gemina, way up in the corner. Gemina is where my husband and I live, and that's where the Evangelical Free Church began work in 1922, the first missionary. In fact, my dad's 
my, my um, dad-in-law um, became a Christian through those first missionaries, and he was the first Christian in his family. So we have a great appreciation for those first missionaries who went out. And as we're worshiping here, our Congolese brothers and sisters are worshiping a lot more noise. Um, they start early, and they get the drums going and call people to worship, and we have a wonderful time of, of praising God. One thing my Congolese brothers and sisters have really taught me is to praise the Lord in any circumstance and, and through any difficulty um, to praise him. And they love singing and they love worshiping. And the time is different. They started about seven hours ago and they're probably still going. Um, they're still praising and they're still shaking their zeke zekes and making a lot of noise and they love worshiping. Um, the, the Congolese sister Evangelical Free Church, this is something I'm sure you don't know, is over 900 local congregations. So we have literally hundreds of thousands of Christians worshiping today in the Free Church, the sister congregation in um, Congo. No longer any missionaries present there. It's all Congolese um, run um, pastors that have been trained in our Bible schools there, and we do not have a missionary free church presence in our corner of Congo. But the church there is very involved in um, ministries to help those in their communities with medical work. We have Tandala Hospital and 35 health centers, and then with um, Global Fingerprints and helping to care for um, the thousands and thousands of orphans in our communities. Um, my lady friends love, oh, they love singing and they love dancing. And uh, it's a, a pleasure to be a part of the body of Christ there in Congo. <clears throat> this is my husband, <clears throat> Gilbert. In French, his name is Gilbert. And we've only been married for six years, six years yesterday. Yesterday was our anniversary. and. Um, um, Gilbert came to the States six years ago so he could get married and um, met my family. Um, he was in the customs and in immigration in the airport and they had his passport and they kept calling for Gilbert and he never responded and finally they looked at him and they looked at the picture and they said, Gilbert, and he said, I'm not Gilbert, I'm Gilbert. So he's had a lot of adjustments and trying to um, live once in a while here in the States, but most of our time is over in Congo. Um, Gilbert is a businessman. He's a truck driver and picks up big containers, and these are what the roads look like in our corner of Congo. That's a real road. <laughs> and so often when he's uh, on his trips, I don't know where he is. There's no cell phone. There's no way to, to know if he's stuck where. Um, and he has to often help many other trucks across a bad spot before he himself can, can cross. Uh, when he was home in the States the first time, he fell in love with garage sales. I'm sure Pennsylvania has garage sales, right? <laughs> Iowa is famous for them. And it would drive me crazy because I just wanted to get back to Congo because Gilbert was always going to a garage sale and bringing home junk. It, it really was junk. And I'm not a junk person. I don't like things in my house. And I'd say, what are we going to do with that? He goes, oh, well, 
I'm going to get it to Congo and you'll be happy. And sure enough, he's sent stuff over there and I'm happy. Once it gets there, it's like, wow, this is beautiful. But one thing that he picked up at one of his earlier garage sales is a tent. Because when he's on these um, trips, there are a lot of mosquitoes and bugs and he has to um, sometimes just sleep by the side of the road when he's waiting for his turn to, to cross a bad spot. And so he was so proud. He never showed me the tent. He just said, I have a tent for my, my truck trips. And we got back to Congo, and he got his tent out and took off on his first truck trip. Um, and this is what his tent looked like. <laughs> so my, my husband, Gilbert's a big guy. So he had trouble getting in his little Barbie tent, and <laughs> he had no idea it was a Barbie tent. So... Um, we've since um, purchased a better, a better one for him. So, <clears throat> just a few facts about Congo that um, you might not know, but Congo is a huge country. It's a third the size of the U.S. It's one of the biggest countries. I think it's the second biggest in Africa. Um, but throughout that whole huge country, 300 miles of paved road. <laughs> Our corner of Congo has zero paved roads. So. Um, we live in a city called Gemina that's around uh, 1 million people, but there's no running water or electricity throughout the city. So it gives you an idea of what Congo, um, people in Congo, how they live and um, the difficulties that they face. Congo, even though people live in real poverty, is an extremely rich country. It's full of coltan. I don't know if you know what coltan is. I don't know, but I do know it's necessary for cell phones and for a lot of the technology that we have today. And it's only found in a, a few countries of the world. It's rich in coltan and diamonds, copper, cobalt. Um, great for agriculture. It's a beautiful country. And yet um, the people live in um, real poverty. Um, because of war and disease and corruption. Um, <clears throat> it, it's a hard life for many people. The life expectancy is only 48 years old. Um, and with children, one in five die before they reach the age of five years old. Um, a third of the children are underweight. Malnutrition is very common in our area. And a half of the school-aged kids uh, are not able to attend school. In Congo, you pay to go to school. You can't go just walk into a school, but the government makes every child pay. And if, especially if you're an orphan, you have no one to pay those bills. Um, Global Fingerprints began in Congo back in 2006. And we, as Reach Global, and Greg was part of that first group that went back, sat with the Congolese church after the Civil War. Um, <clears throat> they went through a, a big, a huge war where their president was ousted and a new president came in. And um, after the war, we, we came back and said, how, how can we encourage and help you? And they said, we're overwhelmed with orphans and widows. And that's when Global Fingerprints was born in the Evangelical Free Church. And I love this child sponsorship program because it's ours as a church body. And one of our goals is to help the church around the world grow as we help them <clears throat> be able to care for children in their areas. Global Fingerprints, the idea that we're the body of Christ. He's left us here as his representatives. 
We are his hands. And when we reach out with the compassion of Jesus, we leave behind the fingerprint of Jesus. That's our goal, and you as a church body, um, you're not out there by yourself as an individual. No, you're part of the body of Christ. And here at Keystone, you are the hands of Jesus Christ, leaving behind the fingerprint of Christ. Um, would you read together with me Isaiah 1:17? Learn to do good, seek justice. <clears throat> God is a God who loves justice. He loves mercy. He loves the orphan, the widow, the stranger that is among us. And throughout the Old Testament, you will see over and over, he says to his people, I am the Lord your God, the God of all compassion. And I love the orphan and the widow, and I love the alien among you. And you are my people. You also are to love the orphan and the widow and the stranger among you. Um, you know, I always think God's word is not so complicated, is it? He tells us clearly, his people, how he wants us to live. And if you read through, go home and read Isaiah chapter 1. Um, actually, in that um, chapter, God is tired of his people. And he says, I don't want your offerings anymore. I don't want your sacrifices. I don't want your festivals. What I want from you is this. I want you to learn to do good and to seek justice, to help the oppressed, defend the cause of the orphan, and fight for the rights of widows. Um, that's what we're trying to do in Congo and with global fingerprints throughout the world right now. As it began in Congo, it has now spread through Evangelical Free Church missionaries or connections that we have through around 11 or 12 countries of the world. In Congo, the program manager is Francoise. She's a dear friend of mine, a, a Christian woman who... Um, was married to a Muslim man, but um, not a Christian when she married. And when she gave her life to Christ back in the 90s when I knew her, um, her husband thought that was okay. But when she decided about 15 years ago to follow Christ in baptism, he said, that's it. And he left Francoise with five children. They all, he took the five kids and he left her. Um, a very low point and uh, incredible, sad time in her life. Um, but God has used her in the church and with these children in Global Fingerprints. And the beautiful part about her story is that even though the husband left with all the kids, one by one they've all returned, not just to her, but to Christ. And all of them have been baptized and are following Christ today. So she has a wonderful story to tell. But she oversees our workers in Global Fingerprints. Um, they're all Congolese. And for $35 a month, we find sponsors back home. And with that money, we can meet the educational needs. A child can go to school. 
child goes to the doctor or to the hospital when they're sick. Um, nutritional needs are met through projects that we're doing. Uh, but most importantly, um, that child comes to understand that they are loved, that they are precious to God and to his people. And it's so fun to watch a child change as he realizes God has not forgotten me. God loves me. This is some of the staff that I work with. Um, I'm up there if you can't find me. I'm next to Francoise. <laughs> um, but wonderful men and women, and a lot of these are men, but we have some more women that have joined our staff. Our staff is more like, they're like caseworkers. We're spread out all through our corner of Congo. Uh, our caseworkers will have to travel 100 miles or more on a bicycle to, to find some of their kids. And every month they're making visits to the kids and making sure their school bills are being paid and making sure that um, being, um, their needs are being met. And of course, praying with the child. And many of our kids are not part of our church, and so it's an outreach for the church and evangelism and not reaching just the child, but reaching that family, the extended family. We don't have orphanages, but we keep the child in their village settings, in an extended family, and or with a Christian um, family that's willing to take them in and come alongside and help them. A lot of our kids in our program have started as babies because um, when um, babies are born, uh, moms often, often die giving birth. It's um, not uncommon. And babies that's left, a baby that's left without a mom's breast milk is not going to survive for very long in a world where there's not um, the formula available, there's not clean water available. And so we try to get these children sponsored as quickly as we can. This is a pastor and his wife who took these two twins in. Um, the mom had the children and then was dying at the local government hospital and, and asked if a pastor's wife could come in. And she gave these children to this pastor's wife while she was dying. And uh, today, these are those two kids. They're in our program. And they are incredible kids. Their names are Beni and Benedict. And if you know French at all, French is the national language of Congo. But Beni Benedict is um, masculine and feminine for blessing. So these are two wonderful blessings in our program, in Global Fingerprints and in the family. Um, where they've become adopted. Many children are not in school, and we always, when we're enrolling kids, we have so many orphans, but we always look at those who haven't had the opportunity to go to school. We have children in extreme poverty that is unimaginable. This woman I met just um, not even a year ago, last August, she was walking by and carrying twins, one on her front and one on her back, and she had four other children, um, no husband in the picture, and the children were all malnourished, and when we found out where she lived, we asked her to show us her home. This was where she and her kids slept at night, and so we've taken this whole family in and found sponsored for, sponsors for the kids, and it's been fun to watch the kids become healthy. Um, one of the boys and the one of the children in this picture did not <clears throat> survive. We started to help with the malnutrition, but it was so severe that 
two weeks later, we had to help Mama Marie bury her one boy, John, and that was a sad moment for all of us. Um, we, we do lose a lot of kids in our program. Last year, I think around 15 of them died. Um, but um, we know that God dearly loves each one, and we know that as we come alongside a family and help, that um, one day we can see those children again in Jesus' village, <laughs> heaven. We also have many, many kids that live with their grandparents, and some of you might be grandparents here, and imagine having your children um, die, <clears throat> and all of a sudden you have 10 or 15 grandchildren living in your home. And this is in a world where people don't have jobs, they don't have savings, and these grandparents live off the land, but they're old and they need somebody to take care of them and yet all they have are our grandchildren. This little girl, Demomoa, moved in with her grandma when her mom died and her dad walked away from her and left her. And she cares for her grandma. And in our program, we're able now to send her to school. We have a lot of really precious, wonderful stories of how God has saved children and brought them into a beautiful home and this little girl, Grace, was found in an outhouse hole near Tandala Hospital. It was about five years ago. We were actually in chapel at the hospital and had just finished reading Psalm 113 together. And um, Grace was being run down the road. A group of people had found her in an outhouse hole, thrown away as a little baby. And they had gotten her out of the hole and were bringing her to the hospital. Um, Grace was dirty and bug-bitten and um, had sores. And her eye was all infected from laying, we don't know how many, how many hours or even days in that outhouse hole. She was dehydrated. And as we came out of chapel and we saw this little bundle <laughs> coming to the hospital, my friend, Mama Kosa, uh, in this picture, looked at that baby and said, I want to keep her. I want her to be mine. Mama Kosa has been married for almost 20 years and has never been able to have a child of her own. And she took one look at this little baby and said, I want that little girl. And we admitted her to the hospital and got fluids going and um, got her cleaned up and antibiotics. Um, unfortunately, she had to lose her eye. We had to have that removed um, because of it being infected. Um, but she's a beautiful, beautiful girl today. And Mama Kosa said, what should we name her? And we said, oh, it's only by God's grace that she's alive and that she's in a loving family. Um, grace has a physical disabilities, probably because of her birth and being thrown away. She's five years old today and still can't walk. But she's bright and she's loving and she just loves the Christian family that she's been placed in, her mom and dad. The passage of scripture that we were reading is Psalm 113 and I want us to read that together and as we reflect on these words. Who can be compared with God enthroned on high? Below him are the heavens and the earth. He stoops to look and lifts the poor from the dirt 
and the hungry from the garbage dump and sets them among princes. He gives children to the childless wife so that she becomes a happy mother. Hallelujah. That was God's word to us that morning when grace was brought to us. And I share this with you to um, remind you that God's word is relevant and powerful and alive and personal. It's for you and it's for me today. And it's for grace and it's for Mama Kosa. And that was a day when my brothers and sisters in Congo learned an important lesson. God loves that little child. <laughs> that child that's thrown away, that has no parent to love her. But God, you just look at this picture. He's, he's in heaven above, and he stoops down to look, and he lifts the poor from the dirt and the hungry from the garbage dump, and he sets them among princes, and he gives children to the childless wife. Hallelujah. God's word is, is real, and it's powerful for us today. Um, Grace, today, um, she's gotten a new eye. We sent her to Kinshasa, and she had a prosthetic made for her eye, and she'll be starting school in the fall, and we call her Princess Grace. She's been set among the princes and princesses of God. Uh, one of our struggles with Global Fingerprints is that when we began it about 12 years ago, um, a lot of our children were put in our Global Fingerprints website and weren't sponsored right away, but had to wait a few years and were not in school. And so we have a lot of older orphans that are 18 years and older, but they haven't been able to even finish grade school yet. So we've been struggling with that, uh, with sponsors not necessarily wanting to sponsor a 20, 21-year-old, and yet they're not ready to be on their own and they haven't finished school. So some years ago, we developed Elikia, which means hope in Lingala, Elikia Training Center for Older Orphans and Widows. And it's a, a training place where our older orphans can go for one to two years. They get good biblical teaching. They learn how to read literacy courses. Some of them haven't learned yet. And then they, they learn skills that will help them as an adult and they can choose a vocation of their choice. And this has been a real help as we move kids out of our Global Fingerprints program in preparing them for life and preparing them as believers as we send them home to their villages and remove them from um, Global Fingerprints. So some of them choose agriculture or raising animals. Some of them choose sewing, um, carpentry, masonry, mechanics. They're all learning a skill. Um, all of them, we make sure they, they learn how to read and teach them God's word and teach it to hide it in their heart. And as they return back after two years to their village, they go home equipped with the tools for their trade and they go home as a carpenter or as a mason or as a seamstress and um, Senemi is a girl that graduated this past year and uh, I really grew to love her a lot. Um, Senemi in her language means hated one and I don't know why she was given that name but when she was born she was called Senemi and She's had a rough life, lost both of her parents, was the oldest child, and 
when she was around 16, uh, she got pregnant, and she was already in our program, and we decided that we would help her through that pregnancy and help her um, get better prepared to, to con um, continue on instead of just removing her. So uh, two years after her child was born, then she came to a Likia Center, and she learned how to do hairstyling, which is a wonderful profession in our part of Congo because women love their beautiful hairstyles. And um, during that time, she also learned to read, and she loved reading God's Word. And sending me before she left last August, she chose to follow Christ in baptism. Uh, that was a happy day for her. And as she came out of the water, the pastor declared, you're no longer sending me but I give you a new name, and that new name is Kwame. And Kwame means beloved or loved one. She loves her new name. She just loves it. And um, did I skip the... She loves reading God's word. She loves growing. And if you call her Sunny Me, she's very quick to tell you that's not my name. I'm loved one because God has chosen to love me. And this is our goal with all of our kids, that they're not just their names would be changed, but that they would become changed in Christ because of having that fingerprint of Christ on their lives. And our, our goal with Global Fingerprints as well, we're a child sponsorship program, but we really seek to sponsor that most vulnerable child that has no other opportunity, no one to love them, no one to send them to school, no one to get them to the doctor. Um, one of those vulnerable children is my friend Nambala, and he's pictured here with me. I want to just tell you a little bit about Nambala. You might know a Nambala in, in Pennsylvania, I don't know, but Nambala was a boy who just roamed the, the streets. He just went from village to village looking for a death, because when you have deaths out there, people sit all night long, night after night, and they serve coffee, and they sing, and, and Nambala would go from death to death and try to get some coffee and something to eat, and through that, he learned a lot of gospel, a lot of songs about Christ, because he was always at the funerals, but nobody loved Nambala. Nobody wanted to be near him, and I met him one Saturday a, a few years ago, near Tandala Hospital, and I was in the marketplace just walking through, and all of a sudden there's this kid, Nambalo, who's dirty and almost naked and toothless, and everybody's laughing at him, and he grabbed my hand, and he hung on, and I had never met him before. And so we started walking together, and people started laughing at us. People were even throwing banana skins and things at Nambala and calling him names and laughing and telling me, don't touch him, he's dirty. And, and he just hung onto my hand. <laughs> and so we found something to, to buy in the market for him to eat. And, and that was my beginning friendship with Nambala. Um, the next morning was Sunday morning, and Gilbert and I went to church, and who was waiting for us at church but Nambala? And he saw us come in, and he ran and sat next to me and started making a huge commotion, and everybody was turning around and giving us dirty looks and laughing at him. And um, in Congo, when, when you have, when you're different, 
um, people tend to laugh, and, and there's not a lot of compassion for kids that are um, devalued, kids that have problems. They're looked at as nuisances, and nobody wants to have anything to do with them. And so Nambala sat next to me and was making a commotion, so my husband scooted in and sat next to him, and, and um, he sat through the church service with us. But as we, um, the church service started, and then they start in Congo often with a prayer of confession. Um, as the pastor stood up and, and um, started praying, asking for forgiveness, for cleansing, for, for our sins, people were quietly sitting and, and, and uh, listening. And the pastor went on and on and then finally said, Amen. And it was time to move on to the next thing. But Nambala wasn't, wasn't ready yet. <laughs> he wasn't done confessing. And Nambala started singing a beautiful little song. Um, people once again looked at him and turned around and were making a commotion. But then a wonderful thing happened. The Holy Spirit settled <laughs> in that church. And one by one, people sang with Nambala quietly as they repented of their sins. And um, it was this little song called Kolo Limbisa Kangai. Um, Lord, forgive me. It goes a little bit like this. Hey, Kolo Limbisa Kangai. Kolo Limbisa Kangai. Nama be na saleliyo, kolo nimbi sakanga, kolo yesu bipai na kei, molili kaka, masumu nangai se mi kumba, lelo nami senzeli, kolo nimbi Nambala sang that, and one by one, every voice joined in quietly, reverently, coming before the throne of grace, saying, Lord, forgive me for all that I have done that is wrong. Forgive me. I'm carrying a heavy burden on my shoulders, and everywhere I go, there's only darkness. Kolo, Lord, forgive me. That was a beautiful sacred moment in that Tandala church as people recognized that it wasn't the pastor necessarily who led people to God's throne of grace that morning, but it was Nambala who was rejected, who was an outcast, who nobody wanted to touch, nobody wanted to have anything to do with Nambala. And Yet Nambala was used to bring people to confession that morning. Because of Nambala, we started a home called Promise Home. And it was just last year that we opened it. This was the building. We, we talked to the church out there and said, we need a place for kids like Nambala. Because we have kids in our program. We're sending money out, but they're not benefiting from it. Nobody's loving them. They're not in an environment where they're thriving because nobody cares about them. And so we um, asked for a place and we were given this rundown 
um, dormitory near a school in Gemina, and six months later, that's what it looked like. Um, we got worked together to make a, a beautiful place for children with disabilities, children that have special needs, whether it's physical or whether it's um, mental. And um, it's a wonderful place. So this is our family this year. Uh, we have 13 kids living at the Promise Home. And it's a group transitional home, we're calling it. But uh, the man and wife in the back, Pastor Lee Sassi and his wife, are the host parents. We have a big staff taking care of them. And then we have children with all different disabilities that are living there. Most of them have never known um, the love of God demonstrated through God's people. Um, and I, I know you're familiar with this verse, but it's a verse I love reminding our kids of in Psalm 139 that it's God who has fearfully and wonderfully made each one of them. And we're praying and hoping that this ministry will have an impact on the church in Congo as God's people see that, no, these lives are valuable and precious and created in God's image for his purpose, and he dearly loves them and died for them. And God has given us the perfect couple that love these kids that are their parents, and uh, just some of the kids, some of their pictures that are up there. Some of them, um, the guy in the top corner has cerebral palsy, pitalo below him, um, polio, um, other malformations. We have a lot of the, the two kids, uh, other kids there are um, epileptics. Um, some of them have had sleeping sickness before and it's uh, affected their brain or cerebral marial, malaria and they've changed because of that. A um, couple blind children that are at our home and it's just been so fun to see how God is transforming they, their lives as they're living in an environment where they are loved and they are precious and they're coming to understand that God cares about them. They love learning. They, we, go, we have school every morning. We have two different teachers and they have their guardians that help them. Um, and they're all learning at different levels what, what, what they're capable of, but they love learning. We're doing math, and we're doing reading and writing and different um, skills that just will help them be able to, um, to interact with, with people. And uh, they have their Bible lessons every day, and it's just so fun to see their energy and their excitement. In fact, a couple weeks ago when it was Easter, we said we're going to take a break in class. But no, after, after breakfast every day, they went to their classroom and they sat there, so we realized we had to keep teaching them because they weren't going to take a break. Um, we're growing a lot of the food that they need right around them. Cassava leaves that make pondu, that's the main main food there in Congo. All that green there is, is uh, their cassava leaves, and they're growing peanuts, corn. We're adding chickens and goats, and they're going to be growing soya to feed the animals. And then they're starting to learn other skills as well. Um, this zeke zeke, those two boys made this. And you can see them sitting there. They're so proud of them. And um, they're trying to sell them for about 40 cents in Congo and trying to get people to, to buy them because everybody needs one to go to church. You, you, you like to have your noise when you go to church. So 
Um, but this is Moise and Pitalo working on uh, those um, zekis, zekis, and learning how to do carpentry. Uh, they also love just playing, and they, a lot of them have never had opportunities before because they haven't been accepted by other children. And so they love playing even soccer, crawling on the ground and trying to kick and hit that ball. They love it. But my husband right now couldn't come with me because he's this, the bottom picture is a playground, and it comes through an organization in the States called Kids Around the World. And it's been, it was taken from a Chicago pediatrics hospital. They never used it, packed in a container, and it's handicap accessible. And it's arrived now and has to get across the border and through customs. And my husband, Joubert, is working on that. So he couldn't come um, at this moment to the States. So we just love this new ministry, and with these kids, I, I'm reminded often of Jesus' promise to us when he says, I've come that you might have life and might have life in abundance. Um, you know, these promises are for us and for our children and our families, but they're also for um, our kids in Congo. So um, as you think about possibly sponsoring today. We have hundreds of kids that need sponsoring. These are three of the kids that are waiting for this fall to get into the Promise Home. Shekina has Down syndrome. Yumani had sleeping sickness, and he's never been the same since then. It did something to his brain. He's a, a wonderful kid. His big problem is he talks too much. <laughs> but otherwise, he's just he's a treasure. And then the little boy on the other side, Nestor, has epilepsy. Um, we have a lot of kids with epilepsy who they never have gone to school. They don't have that opportunity to grow. People are afraid of them. People don't understand that illness. And these kids are not treated well for their seizures. And so um, we have about six kids right now that are epileptic in our home, and, and kids are coming to us all the time now where parents want help with this. Um, so pray for Congo. I'm so excited that you actually have Congolese here in your church, and um, I hope I'll be meeting them and talking with them afterwards. But if you are interested at all in, in sponsorship, we have a table out there. $35 a month, literally, I know you might hear this a lot, but you can change that child's life. You can give them new hope. You can teach them that God has not forgotten them, that they are precious to him and precious to God's people. They can go to school. They can go to the doctor when they're sick, and they can grow up in God's word. So um, find us after the service if you're interested in being involved in that. And it's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so very much for giving me this chance to represent Congo and Global Fingerprints here at Keystone. Thank you. Let's pray together in closing. Our Father God, thank you for your heart for the orphan and the widow and the stranger among us. Thank you, God, that you loved us when we were separated from you and we were orphans. We were alienated, um, enemies of you, and yet you came and you sought us 
and you gave Jesus for us. Thank you so much, and thank you that, um, God, you have chosen to work in and through us in doing your good work here on earth. I pray for Keystone, and I pray that um, you would continue to help them to understand what you are doing among them, and, and I pray that they would just be willing hearts to do whatever it is, whether it's to go or whether it's to give or whether it's to pray or whether it's to advocate. I pray, God, that they would be involved in um, loving the orphan and the widow and the alien among them. God, give Keystone your heart and your eyes to see the world as you see them, as men and women and children that you have created in your image for your purpose and that you dearly love. Thank you so much. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.